Yeah, there's a benefit to you getting around someone who's going to practice in a way that you see yourself practicing. And then there's an equally, if not greater benefit, but less comfortable in terms of being around someone who practices wildly differently that you disagree with. Welcome back to Training Room Talk, powered by Precision Performance Physical Therapy. Here we talk about pain, rehab, performance, and education. If you have questions about the nuance that we dive into, please reach out to us. We would love to talk to you about it. Apart from that, we hope you guys enjoyed today's episode, and we hope everyone stays safe and is staying healthy. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode. Uh, Today, we are going to chat a little bit about uh, clinical affiliations or clinical internships or clinical rotations, whatever your school calls them. The thing where you're a PT student and you're at some portion of your curriculum where you minimize or completely halt didactic work and you go out into the clinic full time and uh, you spend time with a clinical instructor managing some percentage of their caseload and just learning how to apply what you're learning in class into practice. Um, So I know for myself, when I am at Jefferson, uh, I'm getting, you know, I'm, I'm helping out with certain courses there, biomechanics in their, their first year anatomy. So there's a lot of first year students uh, assisting in teaching some of the musculoskeletal coursework. And they uh, oftentimes ask me, we just got access to our first clinical list. We can kind of put together our top spots. What advice do you have when you're going through that? Um, I don't know how much different yours was, Troy, at Widener in terms of the structure of clinical rotation selection. Um, but can you talk a little bit about what your experience was like as a student, how it was structured at Widener? Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, we kind of just got this huge list of it felt like, you know, hundreds of clinicals to look at. And we had a lottery system, so they literally just had like a computerized randomization. We all got assigned a number. And, um, you know, if you had a great pick for the first clinical, your pick for this next one was probably a little bit worse. And then what is like how are they ranking the clinics? based? So, yep. It was no, you had a lottery system in your pick. So you were either the first in the oh, class to okay. pick or you were, were the say, 40 whatever. They're just like, whatever. this clinic sucks. And uh, your last <laughs> clinic was pretty good. So, <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, like a picking lottery. And okay. then when, so you would figure out who your clinical picks were. So, say you like found three you really wanted to go to, rank them one to three. And then say you were the 20th pick. If all three of the clinicals you wanted to go to got picked by somebody higher in the lottery, you were crap out of luck so what you got to do is if you know that you just got a really good pick on your first one on the second one put the ones that you really want lower down on your list so that they don't give you the the top ones that are actually not the ones that you want that much and they give you lower down on your list it all depended what the other students in the class yeah yeah so it was was pretty similar for for me at jefferson mm -hmm. i think when it was at the end of our first, because we did all our clinicals our third year. Mm-hmm. Um, so first two years were all didactic. And it was at the end of the first year, you could pick your first clinical. So you were picking a clinical that was, you know, eight, nine months out. And uh, it was a, 
It was a long list. It wasn't actually that long because the first clinical was more um, was more scarce in terms of available sites relative to the third because a lot of sites, you know, restrict their slots to only second or third rotation uh, students who have a little bit more experience if they're seeing a more complex patient population or, or whatever the case may be. But we um, had a list of, you know, maybe 100 spots, 100 sites, and maybe a little bit more. But you went through and you ranked your top 10. And then ideally, they tried to give everyone their top ones. But obviously, a lot of the clinics were either in the area, very conveniently located. So lots of people put them in their top three or top five, and only a few people could get them. And then it just kind of moves down the list. Some people didn't get any of their top 10. And then I had to work one-on-one with the clinical uh, advisor, whoever that was for you, to figure out like what is a site that makes sense for you location-wise. And they could maybe go the extra step to contact clinics and, and try to squeeze you in somewhere. Um, but what were your thoughts about the process like as you were going through it? Were there certain things that everyone in your class was freaking out about and was worried about um what were you, what was your impression of the process it's pt school so everybody freaks out all the time Fair over enough. everything um i feel like my class i was lucky in the fact that everybody kind of knew what everybody wanted and what everybody was thinking how many people were in your class by the way uh like 40 something okay i forget ex- the exact number at the end but um 40 something but um you know, everybody knew everybody. We we're all pretty close. And, you know, you had an idea of like, hey, uh, you know, Troy um, really wanted to go to, you know, precision per se. Like, okay, like, you know, he, he knows those people. He has this tie. Like, he, like, that's his. Like, I could beat him on the lottery system and take that from him. But, you know, like, you know, uh, an honors system. Well, that I will is not very take that. kind. That is a very. To some degree, yeah. it was that. Us, um, it was like, oh, you want that one? I'm going to take it. Yeah. I'm going to get it. And then I, I'm going to go and like talk to the professors behind your back to try to s- s- weasel my way in. Yeah. <laughs> Ours was, I mean, it wasn't that bad, but it certainly was just kind of like, yeah, whoever gets it, gets it. Yeah. Sorry. For me, I tried to avoid that whole mess because, you know, on on the picking day, <laughs> it was like the, the Hunger Games kind of thing. Oh, it was where, one day. Oh, you all sat there and it was like, all right, number one, you're up. Where are you going? And everybody's dreams would get crushed as you would go through, especially the people later in the list. So I wanted to avoid all of Wait, that. So they just chose people randomly in a random order. And then you had to verbalize the site that you had picked in front of everyone else. And then everyone else was seeing like, ah, that was my number one. And, and Johnny just picked it. Mm hmm. Wow, that's crazy. And then you're scrambling on that day because say you're number 22 and your three just got picked and you don't have one on the spot, then they skip you. And oh. and then all there's a whole nother <laughs> oh 20 people God. to pick. So you could be, you know, the 50th man in line now trying to come up Dude, with a clinical. So that is not a good system. I will say that outright. It was not good. But because <laughs> of that. I went the opposite route. They were like, they encouraged us to set up our own clinicals because it's like, hey, it's it's less work on our end. You set up the whole affiliation and, you know, you're you're an auto, obviously automatically into that clinical. Yeah. So um, I went the opposite route. I set up my 
um, first one. My second one was inpatient, and um, I, I really didn't. I, at the time, I did not care about that one, so I was like, I'll just pick out of the scraps, whatever's left yeah. for inpatient that's close by. And then my last one, it was like a an application process for that one, so um, I had gotten that one. So I actually really didn't use the lottery system at all when I was there, and I'm happy I did it. Yeah, that, that's definitely better. That is actually substantially different from what my experience was at Jefferson because we had a lottery system but it was an it was an online platform that you went on and you had an account and you went on and you organized a list of 10 based on the available sites that were listed on your account and then based on your address your uh, clinical sites in your list and a large algorithm of other data they used to essentially run an algorithm to try to place people on what made the most sense based on their ranking in their list and their proximity to that location and those other things, whether or not they had a, access to a vehicle or public transit. Like it in, incorporated all this data to try to give you the best site based on everyone else's selections. So if you live far away and you really wanted this clinical, you were unlikely to get it? Well, you would, it would be in your best interest to list the address where you were planning to stay if you were going to, you know, be at that. Like if gotcha. you were going to, you could put multiple addresses in and then it would factor those multiple addresses. So, for example, you know, my friend wanted uh, a clinical out in California. And so he was going to stay in an Airbnb. So he listed one of the addresses of, of the places in the region that he was going to rent if he were placed there. Uh, and that kind of obviously supported him. You could, I, I guess, in theory, try to game the system and and put an address across the street from the clinic that you want or whatever. But uh, I do think that, that the clinical advisors were kind of, you know. Against that. They Well, they were looking at your data. They obviously had access to all that stuff. So they were keeping track of like, you know, whose address this was. This is your aunt in Virginia or whatever. Um, and I don't think people were going to that extreme. I think there's some honor system that, that needs to be in place. But um, yeah, so use an algorithm. So you had no idea what other people put on their list unless it was y your friends and they told you, mm -hmm. um, which is way less. I So I understand there you have to outwardly say no Troy I'm stealing your dreams even though I know that you wanted to go here I do too and I care more about myself than you which is totally fine for someone to do yeah, you know it's your education it is but that's way worse because it's just yeah it should be somewhat blinded but it sounds like your class yeah. was smaller and more tight-knit mine was 70 people so but it would be bad when like somebody's passion was rehab and somebody that was, you know, outpatient all the way, but they just wanted a cool inpatient one. Yeah. And they were higher up in the list and they would take like a McGee, a Bryn Mawr or a Moss. Right. And they took one of like the big rehabs and that, you know, the person that was a few picks behind him was like, you're kidding me. Like, you don't yeah. care about that at all. This is the world to me. This is a potential mm -hmm. great job for me. And I know that's, and that's that, how it worked. That's pretty messed up to me. Like I took an inpatient one for my first rotation exclusively because I wanted my next two to be outpatient in the event that they were going to give me any kind of job offer in proximity to 
to graduation. Right. Um, so I wanted to reserve that for the latter end. And then also they were longer. So I wanted to spend more weeks in, in a setting that I was seeing myself going into. Um, but I took an, an acute care one that was, it was like an hour and a half away. It was in Reading. So it's like an hour and a half from, from Philly, uh, which no one really wanted. Um, but it ended up actually being a really big hospital, a really good system to be a part of. They gave me free housing, although it was in a sketchy hotel for three months. Um, but it was still worth me doing. But I would have selected an inpatient one exclusively because I wanted to get it out of the way with no no real regard for other people's selections if they wanted that one. I wanted to because I, I just wanted for different reasons, not because I wanted as a career, but because I but everyone kind of tried on the first one to do what they didn't want to do to get that thing out of the way. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like on the first one, you were just looking for what was the most convenient location wise um, and what was the thing that you least wanted to do so you could get that done at the shortest clinical rotation and then save the later ones for what you really wanted. And by then there were more options and, and it was easier to get something that you, you actually wanted. Um, in terms of, and this is a conversation I often have because people feel like their clinical rotations are going to be make or break. If they don't get a good one, they aren't going to get a job offer at a place that they want and, and they're missing out on this big opportunity. And obviously that can feel like it, it's incredibly important. Um, so I have this conversation a lot of times, but what do you tell students who are maybe more stressed about getting the perfect clinical rotation? Yeah, um, I would say there's a lot of good clinics out there. You may think this is the best one, but I'm sure there are plenty others out there that are good, especially, you know, in our world, the outpatient world, you know, there's outpatient clinics everywhere. And I think it's important for you to research because you get that giant list in the beginning, right, of all these clinicals. And it's like, where do you even start? So looking up the website of the clinical and going right to the about us kind of seeing like the their mission statement their vision statement what the company is really about and then looking into the clinicians that work there because these are going to be your potential CIs and um, we've talked about a lot before it's not so much the clinical it's more the CI Um, yeah and that's that's that is the somewhat unfortunate reality for students trying to pick a clinical site because you could pick a you could pick a large chain physical therapy company like an outpatient private practice thing and be placed with someone who is very forward thinking, you know, very evidence based, he's maybe sees proportionally more athletes and that's what you're interested in because he's an OCS or an SCS or whatever the case is and he's a good guy and cares about his clinical practice or cares about her clinical practice and she could be great or you could be placed with someone in the same exact clinic who either just graduated and doesn't really care or maybe they're you know they're just at a point in their career where their priorities are elsewhere they're having kids or they're they're closer to retirement or whatever it is it could be at any age or any stage of their career they may just not fit as well with you and they may they may not be incredibly ambitious or forward thinking in the profession um, and that could be in the same exact clinic. Um, and so it's difficult because you can't pick clinical instructors. You can only pick clinics. So although that's uh, somewhat of a negative, it's also a positive in, in realizing like, hey, even if you get placed in a clinic that 
on paper you didn't necessarily want to go to, you could get a great clinical instructor, you know, or you could be placed at a clinic that you think you wanted to go to and there ends up just being a ton of stuff going on there that maybe even from a legal standpoint you're uncomfortable with or from an ethical standpoint you're like, man, these people are kind of like iffy, they're selling or pushing a lot of stuff and they don't seem to have the patient's best interest in heart. Whereas the other clinic down the road, at the very least, maybe they weren't forward thinking or what whatnot, but they were good, kind people and they cared about their patients and they wanted to do a good job for their patients and they were, you know, they had their priorities in the right place. Um, so it, it is very difficult to look at the name of a clinic outside of knowing specific individuals or or in the event that you know people in the area who can vouch for certain companies on average being better than other companies um, but it, that is a very difficult thing to do I think my best advice when picking locations as a as an outpatient orthopedic practitioner is if you are similar to me in your desire um, from an inpatient standpoint I, I am biased towards larger hospital systems you know, like I, I did mine at a 750-bed hospital. Uh, Jefferson, Penn, Temple, Drexel, those are all bigger systems within Philly that if you can get into those or in an equivalently large institution in your area, that tends to just have better technology. Um, it's a well-oiled machine. Yeah, it's a well-oiled machine. It's part of the system, so you really get a deep dive into the positives and negatives of, of large hospital systems, but you'll see a lot of cool stuff, probably valuable stuff for you to see versus a small community-based hospital with 50 beds that, you know, still has value there in terms of what you can see, but it's a different vibe. And I think as a student might be slightly less valuable than a large system. Especially uh, with students, a lot of what you're going to get on your clinical rotations is exposure, right? Yeah. Just seeing volume. Yeah. And those bigger hospitals may allow you to do that a little bit more and just see a bigger variety of patient population, patient diagnoses, and just yeah. numbers. Different units, you know, like mm -hmm. you could be on a burn unit, you could be on a transplant unit, the ICU, the ED, you could be in NICU, you could be all over the place, uh, neurofloor, cardiofloor, whatever. Versus a community-based hospital, it's kind of like, ah, eh, we don't see any major procedures here. They don't do any of the cabbages here. They don't do any transplants. They do all that stuff down the road at the big hospital. Um, then you're seeing more the more you know typical, general yeah, general medical issues, um, deconditioning falls, like those types of things. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, if that if your goal is to eventually work in that setting, sure, uh, but larger systems on average going to be more advantageous I'd agree uh, with that. any any advice for the outpatient side of things i would say it's not a bad idea like say you you think this clinical is the one or whatever narrow it down to a few and um you know you've already looked at them on the website like hey this looks like a good place for me reach out to them if the school allows it sometimes they're a little weird with that like you kind of reaching out but um just see if you can get in there and shadow just get in there and you know meet their potential CIs, see who's in there. Um, you can get to know them a little bit, see if you just jive well from like a personality standpoint. And then maybe you can even throw it out there and be like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this clinical later down the road. Like, you know, do you have any idea who would be my CI at that time? And maybe it's just like, a, oh yeah, like, um, 
you know, Troy's coming up next. He'll probably be the next one taking a student or, um, I don't know, M Max is finished up in his residency. He'd probably be too busy, so you're probably going to be with this person. So um, that might give you a little bit more insight, especially if we're talking about the CI, is, is uh, that can be important. That can just give you a little more insight of who you would actually be paired up with. But obviously, you have to make sure the school is cool with all that. I know sometimes they can be weird about you. Going yeah, and yeah. The connections. I know Jefferson was was generally more reserved about you doing that, and and you didn't have the option to find your own clinical site. Um, and so, if you do have that option, I would one hundred percent shadow and meet the people and mm -hmm. do all of that. For me, I think when I was in school, I was like, the likelihood that I'm able to get any one clinical site is so low that I'm not even going to spend the time to, yeah. to go out and, and really look. I was just kind of in the mindset of like, place me where you place me. I will make the best of it or the most of it when I get there. And it ended up being three very valuable experiences. And uh, I think a lot of people go to cool clinics and then waste the experience. A lot of people go to uncool clinics and and get a good experience and you know make the most of it. So a lot of it is going to come down to yourself and, and what your your attitude is towards it. Yeah. Even going off of that, um, I forgot to mention, like, when you're looking up your CIs on the website, um, just looking at, like, their credentials and their background, too, just seeing what they're interested in. Um, you know, if you have a huge interest in manual therapy, maybe you should find somebody with a lot of certs in manual therapy and similar um, philosophies with manual that you have. So just um, find somebody that has has a similar career path to what you think you want to take on the way, but your, your ideas are probably going to change a lot in yeah. the year too. But I do think that's beneficial. Yeah. There's a benefit that. to you getting around someone who's going to practice in a way that you see yourself practicing. And then there's an equally, if not greater benefit, but less comfortable in terms of being around someone who practices wildly differently that you disagree with that you then have to see the other side as well. So that's why it either thing that happens is good for you. Whether you're with someone who's like, this is great, we mesh very well, or you're with, like I know for residency, when I'm paired with mentors, I'm generally paired with mentors who intentionally think differently than myself. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's obviously an important part of the growth process. As a student, you might feel like, I don't want to be with that. Like, I want to learn how to practice. Like, you're going to learn the things that you want to learn when you get out at some point. You'll take Con Ed courses. You'll read more. You'll you'll expose yourself to that stuff. Or you'll do a residency or a fellowship or a PhD or whatever. Um, you, you, those things you will learn at a certain point in time. There's benefit and value in seeing the other side, seeing the things you disagree with, or maybe that you find yourself agreeing a little bit with at certain points too. Um, so take that advice and if it doesn't work out good as well yeah <laughs> you know um but it is a stressful time it is it is a difficult it's a difficult time to navigate but like i said i think every opportunity that you're going to get is going to be generally valuable if you make it so um you know i don't know maybe another piece of advice is um looking up and just somehow finding out what their like volume is looking like and what their average patient population is looking like so at least it's in the ballpark of people you want to see like maybe you want to see 
younger athletes. Maybe you want to see older individual, older adults, um, more um, like general orthopedic. So just finding the patient population that matches your current interests. And then, um, you know, maybe look taking a look at volume too. Like, is this a super um, very high volume where it's kind of like assembly line style where you're not going to spend a lot of time or maybe you want something a little slower as a student where you can spend more time with the patients, a little bit more like one-on-one or, or two an hour, something a little slower like that. Um, and everybody's interests are going to be different. So just try and match that accordingly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know like, you know, to some degree, companies aren't aren't wholly honest, even with applying employees in terms of volume and some mm-hmm. of those characteristics. Um, so I do think it's worth outside of just your your advisors directly to the clinical process. If you're an ortho person, go talk to your, you know, schedule a quick meeting with your muscular professor or your biomechanics professor and ask them questions like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going through this clinical process. I just based on your experience with some of the people in the area, are there do there tend to be certain companies that you would advise that I shy away from or, or kind of gravitate towards? And they'll give you a lot of insight, too. I know my second clinical experience was uh, with. Uh, I believe it was with Premier uh, in the in the like Philly greater metropolitan area, I suppose you you would call it. Um, and at, at a certain point, there was like a physician-owned practice thing with them where they were physician-owned, and so my clinical got canceled with them. Uh, I don't know if they actually are or what the circumstance is, but at the end of the day, the school had given me the option to do another clinical because I wasn't allowed to do a clinical at a physician-owned practice. And then I went to my muscular professor because I was looking at the scraps that were left of after everyone had selected their sites months prior. And I was like, ah, what am I going to do? What do you suggest? Because all I'm seeing here are like, you know, Novacares and, and these generally more mill-ish based companies that I would have thought I should shy away from. And uh, his advice was, I suggest you go to Novacare. Uh, he was like, there's a lot of value in the high volume, the fast pace, a lot, a big clinic with a lot of therapists. Um, you'll get really efficient in your evaluation process. You're going to be seeing a ton of evals. You know, you'll get, you'll get a little bit better at balancing multiple patients or at least at communicating very directly and, and effectively with your patients in order to just be efficient enough to manage that size of a caseload. So he was like, it's not going to be f- the most fun clinical, but he's like, that's what I suggest you do. So I ended up doing it. Um, ironically, that clinical ended up being half at a Novacare, half at a university training room in their kind of only managing their athletes. So I got very lucky that even that clinical, just based on the CI I got, ended up being a largely kind of sports medicine oriented thing. But I was seeing certainly a fairly high volume, and it was beneficial for for my growth. And so, you know, I think that most people are going to see a silver lining in getting a rotation that you're not super fond of on paper. And if you can embody that mentality as well, I think that it'll allow you to make the most of it. And do your due diligence ahead of time to try to spot those specific clinics that might be of special interest to you. Uh, and you know, maybe you're just trying to land that clinic for one of your rotations and you invest all that energy into just like, let me try and nail down this one where I met the people and maybe it's my last one, uh, where everyone's kind of got, gotten what they wanted already. And, and 
anyways. Uh, and I think going off that, I think there's a big piece of advice that um, we left out is, you know, you've had this list. People have gone to these clinicals before. I'm sure you know some of the older classmates. Reach out to them and ask them and be like, hey, what do you think of this clinical? How were the CIs? And maybe you'll think it's an awesome place and you'll find out that it's completely different than what than what you were expecting. Yeah, our online system actually did have a – it had like reviews That's that really former nice. Jefferson students had put on those specific clinical rotations. Um, so that's one thing that we did actually easily have access to and could see what did past Jefferson folks say about this clinical rotation. Um, and that was helpful. I, I can't say that it influenced which ones I put on my list that much, but certainly after I had been placed there, I went back and read those things and, and tried to prepare myself like, Oh, this person said like, make sure you understand you know, return to sport testing. And I was like, all right, I'm going to review that before I get in there or or whatever the case is. So, um, yeah, that can definitely be helpful in seeking out other people who've had that same rotation, either in higher classes. And and a lot of times the faculty, the clinical advisors will be able to connect you with former students who had that rotation because they know who was there. They'll be like, oh yeah, Kevin was there last time. And I think Steve was there before that. So let me, let me give you Kevin and Steve's email. I'm sure they'd be fine with, with, you know, chatting with you or whatever. Um, so yeah, if you guys have any questions about clinical rotations, feel free to reach out to us. You can find me on Instagram at maxlepage.dpt and Troy. Troy.cuck.dpt. You hesitate every time you say it. I always forget it. <laughs> um, yeah, and hope you guys. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed. We will talk to you guys in the next one. Thank you for listening to the Training Room Talk podcast. We hope today's discussion was helpful in illuminating some of the complexities behind pain and rehab. If you don't know where to go from here, please reach out to us with questions. We have mentorship options for clinicians and students and programming options for you to elevate your own fitness. We look forward to speaking with you and again, hope you enjoyed today's discussion.